Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. We're going to read this morning um, from Genesis 28. Genesis 28. We're going to read about a story about someone who made a covenant with God while he was sleeping as well. Do you remember last week? We looked at the story of Solomon, and God asked Solomon whatever he wanted, and he chose wisdom. Because he chose wisdom, he was wise enough to choose wisdom. God said, well, you've chosen the wisest thing, but I'm going to give you everything else as well. And uh, Solomon made a covenant with God when he was sleeping. But before uh, Solomon was, Jacob was. And in Genesis 28, Jacob went to sleep as well. I think it's a a man thing, this, that we're getting into. And (laughs) God seems to like to speak to men whilst they are are sleeping. Maybe it's because he finds it difficult speaking to us when we're awake. Some ladies might think. But uh, Genesis 28, and we're going to read from verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. There he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land in which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Lutz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, And keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And all of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth, he says to God, to you. And God will bless the, uh, the reading of his word. Every day you read your newspaper, look on Facebook, watch the news, 
you see people having climbed a ladder, whatever that ladder is, that they have climbed on, and some of them have got to the top, uh, successful people in, in the world's eyes, but often they find themselves, they have climbed the wrong ladder. They've got to the top of the wrong ladder. We saw that, uh, if I can't remember when it was, a few months ago when we looked on about ladders and climbing ladders. The view from the top of their ladder wasn't quite as good as they thought it would be. So say the ladder was winning the lottery, and they're investing in the lottery every, every week, every month, every year, and then suddenly they get the bonanza financially that they thought or they prayed, or they worked, or they gave for. It comes, and they get to the top of that financial ladder, and suddenly it's not quite as good and as much of a blessing as they thought it would be. It's because the ladder was on top or against the wrong wall. They weren't where they thought they would be. And Stephen Covey, who's... um, a leadership writer, and some of you may have his books, I don't know, he wrote a book, a well-known book, The Seven Habits of Effective People, said in that book, if the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster, <laughs> which is a profound statement. And people often have sweated, cheated, lied, worked to get to the top of the ladder, and they get to the top and they think, I'm in the wrong place. I've got the wrong view. I've got to the wrong top of the wrong ladder. What they thought would bring them success actually hasn't brought them any fulfillment at all. Often the ladder to success starts where you do not expect it to start. And Jacob, man in question, had no idea where he was lying down for the night. He was just stopping in the middle of a journey, put his head down, and didn't realize where he was. That's not Jacob. I don't know who that is. But anyway, <laughs> on, our, on our picture. But Jacob was very emotional as he stopped there. Jacob was having to leave home. Jacob was running away. Why did he have to leave home? Because Esau, his brother, was basically going to kill him. Why was he going to kill him? Because Jacob had stolen something from him. He had stolen his, as some of you Bible people, scholars know, he had stolen his birthright. And that was a very meaningful thing in those days. It was the blessing from the patriarch, from the father, to the eldest son. And Jacob got in there, because Jacob was a bit of a manipulator, and a cheater, and a liar, and a stealer, he got in there and stole his brother's birthright. That did not go down well with his brother, as you can imagine. Don't know whether you've got a brother. When they're younger, brothers do tend to say, I'm going to kill you. But this, (laughs) even though my brothers were 10 and 12 years uh, older than me, there was an occasion when they nearly killed me. And uh, I don't know whether I was Jacob or not, but anyway. Genesis 27, verse 41 says, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are nearly over. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. This wasn't a flash of temper killing, an emotional killing. 
This was a premeditated killing he was involved in. He was thinking this through. The most dangerous people are not the ones who overreact and come lunging for you. The dangerous one, just if you're ever in a fight, you know, the dangerous one is the one who's standing there and saying nothing. Because he or she are thinking how they can get equal with you. <laughs> so just beware of the silent ones. And that's why Jacob was on the run. I wonder how you would have felt first time away from home. Brother is back there looking to kill you. He'd be full of fear, insecurity, worry, stress. And often God comes to us and we become aware of his presence when we are in a mess, when we are emotional, when we are physically or financially challenged, or we're relationally, relationally in a broken situation. That's often when we know God's presence. Most people become, Christ, become Christians in a crisis. Adult Christians. Younger people, it's often different. But for adults, often older adults become a Christian in a crisis. Because that's when often we find God. We need God. And this is the first time it's ever noted in the Bible that Jacob showed any interest in God. And this ladder was an opportunity for Jacob to come into God's presence. I wonder what's the most important thing in your life, what success would mean in your life. What would you give up anything for? What would you do anything for as you climb your ladder at the moment, your current ladder. Well, this ladder of Jacob's was up against the right wall. Not, as Stephen Covey said, the wrong wall. It was up against the right wall because the top of that ladder reached heaven. And make sure the ladder you climb here on earth reaches heaven in eternity. It's better to be at the bottom of the ladder that you want to climb than the one that you don't want to climb, and you get to the top of the one that you don't want to climb. It's better to be at the bottom of the first two or three rungs of the right ladder. And the way you, that you know if you're on the right ladder is to notice who's climbing the ladder with you and who you meet on the way up. Take note of other ladder climbers. And Jacob saw other people on the ladder. He saw angels ascending and descending. And he was suddenly, maybe for the first time, aware of angelic activity. Is, is, is this still working, this microphone? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. I just thought for a minute it had gone off. And because he was aware of it, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And this ladder, I think, is a picture of our Christian life. We have a, at the top an open heaven, which is our home. But we start out at the bottom of the ladder here on earth, where our house is, if you like. And we have the Father's voice speaking to us, and we have supernatural activity around us. And that, I guess, is a picture of our life. But it's also a picture of the church. Jacob said, this place is brilliant. 
He says, I've, I've discovered Bethel. I've discovered God's house. The house of God, Bethel. And that's the first mention of God's house in the Old Testament. Bethel. This story is a picture of the house of God, or any house of God, hopefully. The bottom of the ladder is in the church, or it should be, and the top of the ladder is in heaven. It's a picture, I guess, of a Sunday morning. We start out our journey here on earth at the bottom of the ladder, and the ladder's pointing up towards heaven. And perhaps on a Sunday morning, we finish up in heavenly places because the ladder has been in the right place and it's been going against the right wall. You have a passport, I hope, which shows that you're a member of the United Kingdom. But as Christians, we also have a passport for heaven, which shows you're a member of the kingdom of God. You have dual passports as a Christian. You don't get given it in a leather folder or anything, but you have. You're entitled to all the benefits and entitlements of both places. So if you are abroad and perhaps you haven't had medical insurance and somehow you drag yourself back to the UK, you can wander up to any hospital and they will take you in and they will begin to care for you. Why? Because you are a member of the United Kingdom. You're a citizen of that kingdom. And so they will say to you, what can we do for you? What's your national insurance number? They might ask or they might not ask what your national insurance number is. Who are you? What's your address? What's the problem? And suddenly you have thousands of pounds being spent on you, carers, doctors, nurses, all sorts of equipment. Why? Because you're a citizen of that country. Well, what's true here on earth is true in the kingdom of God. God's Word teaches that we have benefits and entitlements in the kingdom, and it's because we are citizens of another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And he comes and he gives us the biggest gift of all, his presence. You know, you feel so much better if you're ill, and one of our doctors, of course, walks into the room. You think, Help is at hand. Experience, knowledge, training, thousands, pounds invested into that person, and now they're coming to your assistance. Well, when God's presence comes into a situation, suddenly the wealth of heaven is coming for us because we are kingdom citizens. We carry the king of kings in our hearts, in our lives, in our spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are His tabernacle, His resting place. Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, that's what it is in the UK, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So as we live here on earth, our job and our passion should be to rise above that, up that ladder, but not to stay on top of that ladder, but to bring the kingdom back down, coming and going like angelic activity. That's what Jesus did. Jesus looked in heaven, saw what the Father was doing, and then did it here on earth. That was his daily agenda. His eyes were on the Father as he lived here on earth. 
So how he treated the people was how he saw the Father treating the people. How he healed people displayed the Father's heart to heal them. How he fed the 5,000, the 3,000. The disciples said, send them home. Tell them to go home and get their food themselves. Jesus said, what do we have? He fed people. He encouraged people. He forgave people. He rebuked people because he knew that was on the Father's heart. And as he saw his Father dealing with them in heaven, he brought the resources of heaven down the ladder to their situation, to earth. And he took the problems and the issues and the difficulties and the fears and the stresses and the worries and everything else, he took that up the ladder to heaven, brought the resources of heaven down the ladder and took the problems and issues and stresses up the ladder from here. And what Jesus did was what we should do. We bring the kingdom down, and we intercede for what the problems are here on earth. That's life on the ladder. The supernatural is either coming towards you, or it's going past you on the ladder. And what we should do, is, in a sense, we should intercept that supernatural angelic activity and intercept it and say, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Where are you doing it? I want to be involved in it. Because, let me tell you, often, what supernatural will go right past your door and go to a door where the supernatural is wanted and desired? You remember Jesus walking on the the road to Emmaus with the two. And they were thrilled at what Jesus was explaining about scriptures and, and the insight he had and everything else. What, as they reached their journey's end, what did he do at the very end? He looked as though he would walk away and move on until they said, come in. And often the Holy Spirit will look as though he's going to move on. Until we say, no, hang on. We want your presence. We're on a journey from a place called here to a place called there. And we're climbing this ladder of success. That's our destiny. That's our journey. But we must intercept what God's doing on that ladder. And what I want to look at particularly this morning is what Jacob said in verse 16. It says, Jacob awoke and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And then those words, And I did not know it. What's frightening is Jacob realized and recognized God's presence more clearly asleep than he did awake. The Lord is here. Jacob says, and before I went to sleep, I didn't even realize it. Why is that? I really believe in the spiritual realm, maybe particularly with men, that when we are asleep, our defenses are down. And God can move and speak into our lives more when we are asleep than when we are awake. The defenses that we put up that are carnal, carnal things like fear, pride, religion, mistrust, self-reliance, 
all those sorts of defenses that we have around us so people won't hurt us, so that people can't get through to us, lessons that we have learned from the past, all that sort of thing, we put those defenses up. And what that does is, yes, it does frustrate some issues and problems and people coming against us, but it also frustrates God's Spirit who wants to come and speak and minister to us. Some of us, in a sense, need to go to sleep, but not this morning. (laughs) We need to go to spiritual sleep. So our defenses will come down. If you're praying for your loved one or your children or your babies or your toddlers or your teenagers... Pray for them when they are asleep. Lay hands on them because they're defenseless. There's no attitude. There's no talking back. There's no cheek. There's no moaning. There's no what are you doing. We, as parents, we did that many times. We do it with our grandparents. I don't even seek the parents' permission. We just do it, don't we? <laughs> we pray for them when they're asleep because the defenses are down. All of us are in church. All of us have been in Bethel for years, but not all of us have realized God is here. Now that causes you to think, whoa, to be afraid, then you're in good company because Jacob was afraid. It says in verse 17, he didn't realize God was in the house. He was afraid. And because he didn't realize and recognize God was there, he did not take God into account. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I'm here. I'm there. So if he's here, why don't we recognize him? In our praise, why don't we recognize him? In our prayers, why don't we recognize him? In our listening, why don't we recognize him? So, we've got some time. We're going to take two minutes. And I want you to say to God at the beginning of those two minutes, I'm going to recognize you are here. You've promised to be here. I'm going to recognize your presence. Lord, make me aware of your presence this morning. Now, because of this building, you'll hear all sorts of bangs and clumps and all sorts of things and people speaking. Ignore all of, tune all of that out. Let's just take two minutes, not 20 minutes, two minutes and say to the Lord, I recognize that you are here right now.
You see, when we recognize his presence, we give him the courtesy of realizing, recognizing that he's here with us, like you do with company. If you constantly talk at people and you don't do any listening, you're not really um, taking their presence into consideration. You just want something to talk at. So we recognize him in our praise, our prayer. We recognize him in our listening. We recognize him in our worship. We also recognize him, as Susan was saying, in our giving. And you think, how did you get giving out of this passage? Well, read the last verse. Jacob says, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, Jacob said, I will surely give you a tenth. (laughs) A tenth. He says, I'll give you a tithe, God. Why? Because suddenly he was tuned in to God's presence. And he realized God's more important than my money. God's more important than my future. God's more important than my stresses, my worries, my fears. Jacob says, I'm going to become a tither. Because I recognize God's house, Bethel. I recognize God's goodness to me. He says, this is the gate of heaven, a gateway to the supernatural, a gateway to change, a gateway for you and for me, a gateway to all that God has for us. And a real church should wake you up as Jacob was woken up to all that God has for you. And Jacob woke up, but he woke up in awe. He was terrified. He was afraid. He was excited. He was worshiping. He was praising. He was promising God all sorts of things. And that's some of the emotions that we should have in our church at some point or other. And all those emotions are in this room right now. Some people are absolutely excited. Some people are praising. Some people are worshiping. Some people are in awe. Some people are terrified. But all of us are touched in some way emotionally. If you're not touched emotionally here, then I would say, my friend, you're in the wrong church. And you have my permission to find a church that gets you up the spiritual ladder, that energizes you, that excites you, that amazes you, that feeds you, that you can play a positive part in to climb the ladder that God has for you, and you'll need strength, and you'll need encouragement, and you'll need motivation, and the local church should give you that. So on a Sunday morning, picture yourself. You arrive here, and we have worship, and we have prayer, and Susan says a word, and you have a coffee. We're all at the bottom of the ladder. The ladder's here, it's like we're going up here, and we're encouraging you to climb the ladder, to go higher, because the Holy Spirit is persuading us, cajoling us to climb this ladder. And because we'll go on this ladder, we'll go higher. And because we go on the ladder, it will make us go lower as well. You'll get a heavenly perspective on earth's problems and issues and on your own issues and problems when you climb this ladder. Some people want a lift. When I go into a multi-story building, I do not want a ladder. I do not want to climb the stairs. And sometimes as Christians, we just think, can we not just go in a lift? Where I can go into a lift, press floor 53, and like within seconds it feels, we're there. Well, 
that's not, life's not like that. The Christian life is definitely not like that. You may be promised that, but let me tell you, it's not true. Yes, God in His grace can sometimes take you to a place you never ever thought you'd go to. But let me tell you, you go through your spiritual life as you go through the physical life, step by step. And sometimes you feel you're not getting anywhere. Or He's got you in a rung of the ladder. You think, when am I going to move on? But God in His grace wants you to go higher. Sometimes as we go higher, we look down and we think, whoa. So there's a bit of awe, there's a bit of fear there, but we continue to climb because this is the true ladder of success. And we go from having an earthly mentality to having a heavenly mentality. Surely God is in this house, and often we don't know it. And that sums up so many churches. Maybe sums up sometimes this church, that God's been in the house And we go through our service, and we didn't even recognize or realize he was truly here. In fact, some churches, some churches do. They have church for God, and they've forgotten God's there. And actually what's happened is God's left. So I'm bored with this. I'm off. If God left here, would our meetings still be the same? We'll start with a song. We'll have a prayer some way through. Susan will bring a word. We'll have a coffee. We'll have another song. We could have that format, and God could be well up the road. And we are just going through the motions. You see that in some denominations where they've had a firebrand who's birthed the church. And God was truly there hundreds of years ago. And now, in some places... It's a format, and they're just going through the motions. And they argue about important things like where the flower stand will be and what part of the stage, where the organ should be, and when we should have a coffee. Important things. And they haven't noticed something. God's AWOL. Gone missing. He's no longer there. That's called religion. And it makes me sick, to be fair. Because it doesn't take into the consideration into consideration the master of the house. In fact, John, when he was <coughs> excuse me, writing to the seven churches in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, is a supernatural vision of Jesus, and he was given letters to different Bethels, different churches. And the ones are the loveless church. The persecuted church, the compromising church, the corrupt church, the dead church, the faithful church, the lukewarm church. Now take away the word church and put the word people. The loveless people, the persecuted people, the compromising people, the corrupt people, the dead people, the faithful people, the lukewarm people. And Jesus says, I've got a word for you. I hasn't getting a word from Jesus. He says, I've got the word for the loveless church. What's that word say? Jesus himself says, I've got this against you. Got this against you. You've left your first love. 
Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, I'll put in brackets, off the ladder, repent and do the first works, or else I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And what Jesus is saying there is to the loveless church, it wasn't to the corrupt church, it wasn't to the lukewarm church, it was to the loveless church, He's saying, remember what you used to do. Remember the love you had for people. Remember the love you had for my word. Remember the love you love to give. Remember you love to serve. Whatever uh, it is, God has God. He says, remember that and go back to your first works and do those things. Because he says, if you don't, I'm out of here. I wonder if we're recognizing his presence this morning. I wonder if we took two, when we took two minutes, did you realize and recognize he's here? Did you realize and recognize he's in your life, he's in your home, he's in your family, he's in your business, he's in your studies, he's in your retirement, he's in your office. His presence is here. I wonder where we are on the ladder. Do you prefer to be nearer earth? or nearer heaven in the ladder? Are you just in the first rung? And you think, I don't want to go any higher than this. I don't want any more commitment than this. I haven't got a head for heights. Frightened we're going to get spiritually dizzy. What will happen as I go further away from earthly things that I can control? The good news is, God says, it's a ladder, and it comes towards Him, and He is in control. Verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Jehovah Elohim, which is the Lord God. That's who's at the top of the ladder. And as we climb towards him, just picture yourself in your mind's eye going up the ladder. Who's at the top of the ladder is the Lord God himself. And he says to Jacob, and he says to us, I am the Lord God of your father, Abraham. Well, God must have got it wrong because Abraham wasn't Jacob's father. He was his grandfather. So was God having a senior moment? No. He was saying to Jacob, I'm nobody's grandfather. (laughs) I'm either your father or I'm no relation at all. I am your covenant father. God is our father, not our great, 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 great. You understand? We are sons and daughters. There is no grandchildren. So make sure you have a son or a daughter relationship with your father, not with your grandfather, not with your great-grandfather, or however many greats you want to put in there. He doesn't do any other relationship other than father, daughter, or father, son. And he says, I'll not leave you. I'll not forsake you. I'll do what I have spoken to you because he's a promise keeper God. He keeps his word. And when God says, I'm going to be there for you, he will be there for you and for me. So are we climbing God's ladder? As you see that ladder there, Are you as far up as he is? 
Are you far down? Do you picture yourself going up to heaven for resources, bringing those resources back down here on earth? Do not serve God in your flesh. It will kill you. It will frustrate you. It will make you angry. It will annoy you. If you do it in your flesh, you'll get tired. You'll get weak. But when we do it in his strength, with his resources, then God says, I am with you. My burdens are light, not heavy, light. I read the story of a young boy. I'm going to finish with this. He one day was in a prayer meeting, and he saw a vision of heaven, of Jesus and of angels, a place where there was no decay at all, of houses and rivers and fountains. And then he saw the hand of God stretched down to bring him up this large ladder, to help him to go up this large ladder. And as he climbed, he saw a big gate. And God gave him a key. And he opened the gate. And there was all sorts of entryways into this most amazing heaven, if you like, of experiences. And what moved him was, when he was handed the key by Jesus, was... He saw his hands, and he saw the holes in his hands. God is raising us up a ladder. Picture it. Let me just pray. I'll ask the musicians to come back up. Out in front of you, as your eyes are closed this morning, is a ladder. It's not Jacob's ladder. It's your ladder. Jack's ladder. Susan's ladder. Fred's ladder. Whoever, whatever your name, it's your ladder. And just like the boy, God's hand is stretched out because he wants you to begin to climb. To take you to a higher place. It's our ladder. It's ours to climb or ours to ignore. It starts here on earth and it finishes in heaven. Often we're at the bottom, God is at the top. God says, come up higher. Because it's a gateway. It's a gateway to seeing the supernatural in your life. What's the key God wants us to use? Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. As you have been raised up with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. As we began this morning, you were at the bottom of the ladder. The ladder was put out and all of us began to climb. Are you nearer heaven at the end of the service than you were at the beginning? Have you gone up a few rungs? Have you been aware of angelic activity coming down, passing us? Have you been reaching out to God? God, I want to go higher. Take me a few steps up. This week, God is at the top of the ladder and he's encouraging us as a church. This is prophetic. He's encouraging us as a church to come up higher. And you're going to have to leave some baggage at the bottom. You ever try to climb a ladder with bags? doesn't work. The bags have to be left at the bottom. Earthly bags carnal bags bags from the past bags from the present bags of worry from the future 
God says, leave them behind. Come higher. Come up. You should see the view from here. It's amazing. Come up higher. Forget your other ladders. They're going to lead you nowhere. Come up this ladder. Heavenly ladder. Come up towards me. All of us have a choice this morning. Do we climb or do we walk away and go back to the other ladders? Father, speak to us right now. Help us to hear your voice. Help us not to harden our hearts. Help us to respond to your word. We need you, Lord. We need to find the right ladder. The right ladder is your ladder. The right way is up towards you. Help us to become aware of your activity in our life. Help us to look out for your presence because your presence, Lord, is heaven to me. Everything we are capable of that will last for eternity comes from your presence. The rest is rubbish. The rest is time fillers. The rest is other idols that we worship. Whether that idol is our child, our grandchild, our things, our job, our careers, our future, our money, God says they're an idol if they come above me. So, Father, we want to come into your presence, leaving everything behind, not worrying about anyone else, not fearing what might come, but knowing, Lord, you're here, right here, right now. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit you'll be impacting some lives and some hearts right now, giving visions bringing people to repentance, giving people a fresh start, giving people an insight into who you are and how much you love them. Pray for tears, Lord. Pray for joy, Lord. Pray for satisfaction, Lord, that you are all that you've promised to be. Pray for healing, Lord. All those things are possible in your presence. Pray for people who have got mental fatigue, Lord. Give them mental energy. Give them mental horsepower. Pray for people who are ready to chuck it all in, Lord, because they've been getting involved in religion. Good works is dead. Lord, bring life to them this morning. Pray for people who are weary, Lord, because they've been doing it in their own strength. Help them to do it in the power of your Spirit. Help them to bring heaven down here on earth. God's touching some lives this morning. It's like arrows coming from heaven and are hitting certain situations, certain lives, certain hearts. 
You've never seen it this way before. You've been wandering around looking for a ladder, and suddenly you realize there is a ladder. Jacob can have a ladder, you can have a ladder. God's no respecter of persons. Help us to climb, Lord. Help us to seek your presence in a new way, in a fresh way, living water pouring down on us this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.